0: 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world.
1: Hi, my name is Li Ke Wei. I'm a teacher at an experimental school in Chen in Jiangsu province, China. KBS World Radio always impresses me with its programs full of positive energy, lively hosts and active communications with its listeners. The one hour I spend with KBS World Radio has become a crucial part of my day. I stay updated with major news from Korea through KBS World Radio News, Korea Today and Tomorrow, and current affairs in focus. I roam the streets of Seoul through Seoul Calling, read novels by Korean writers through Books on Demand, and listen to Korean traditional music through Sounds of Korea. Last but not least, Magazine K is where KBS World Radio and its listeners can communicate with one another, which adds extra warmth and character to the station and makes me love it more. Happy 70th birthday!
0: 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are.
2: Wednesday, February 22nd. Welcome to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. I'm your host, Han South Korea's total fertility rate dropped to a record low of 0.78 in 2022. That's the lowest out of the 38 members of the OECD. More on this coming up shortly. On In Depth, we'll take a deep dive into eating disorders among teenagers in Korea and what needs to be done to tackle the issue. And on Korea Book Club, literary translator Beth Hong will introduce us to Chang Young-un's Transforming Women. All that and more on today's Korea 24. South Korea's total fertility rate slipped to a record low last year that comes as the average number of children born to a woman in her lifetime fell under one. For more on this, on the story, and other headlines from today, I'm joined by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Choi. Daniel, good to be with you.
3: Good to be with you, Joe.
2: All right. So, South Korea's total fertility rate, not encouraging improvements as a matter of fact, quite the opposite, a dip to a record
3: low, 0.78. That's right. According to data from Statistics Korea on Wednesday, the total fertility rate slipped 0.03 from 2021, hitting a new record level low since they started compiling related figures back in 1970. As of 2020, South Korea is the only country with a total fertility rate below one among 38 OECD members. South Korea's fertility rate is less than half, the OECD average, in fact. Mm-hmm. A fertility rate of 2.1 is considered replacement level, the level needed to keep the population steady. Right. The agency also found a 249,000 babies were born last year, down 4.4% from 2021. Half of the number in 2002 and around one-third of the total 30 years ago. Mm. The rapid decline over the past three decades is straining the finances of the national pension system as the country ages. Right
2: now, the government is looking to find new ways to encourage young couples to have more babies.
3: Then, right? Yeah, the union government is encouraging young couples to have more babies by paying seven hundred thousand one, or about five hundred forty dollars per month, to families with a child less than a year old. The payment will be raised to one million one starting next year. Not only that, the statistics agency also said the number of marriages fell to a record low of under one hundred ninety-one thousand last year. So therein lies another root of the problem. Young South Koreans struggle to get good jobs compared with the older other age groups. Housing prices are also soaring during the pandemic, so these are some of the contributing factors. The odds are stacked against uh, couples tying the knot or having a baby. Sure.
2: And speaking of children, the government will establish four additional publicly-run medical centers for children. It is a move deemed necessary to compensate a
3: lack of pediatricians, right? That's right. In a briefing to President Yoon on Wednesday, Health Minister Cho Hong explained the expansion, part of the ministry's plan to improve health care for children, as a number of pediatricians dropped due to the chronic birth rate decline and frozen salaries. The four new centers will be built in regions that have no access to the existing 10 locations, which will receive state subsidies for facilities and equipment, as well as compensation for incurred losses. Mm-hmm. The government will include critical and pediatric emergency capacity as an evaluation category when designating a medical facility as a high-level general hospital. Five hospitals outside the capital area will be matched with a cancer treating facility in the capital area to provide services to pediatric cancer patients within the region. Okay. And at a
2: policy discussion held at Seoul National University Children's Hospital, President Yoon stressed that taking care of children's health is the nation's top priority and requested relevant ministries to use any necessary resources. Tell us more.
3: Well, the president said if the children are sick, they should be properly treated, and especially if they have seizures at night or if the mother is in a difficult situation to cope with. There should be a system that allows them to quickly receive treatment at a hospital or call somewhere to consult with experts. Mm -hmm. He pointed out, despite the development of many parts of Korean society, many say there is a lot of shortage of pediatric hospitals compared to the past. After listening to industry opinions about the shortage of pediatric care, the Yun administration decided to strengthen the pediatric medical and emergency medical system, 24-hour counseling, and severe pediatric treatment system. Uh, President Yun vowed to push for a plan to help increase the number of pediatric doctors and nurses by improving the system, such as including the pediatric treatment system in key indicators when evaluating tertiary general hospitals. Okay, and taking a look in politics...
2: Prosecutors investigating an alleged transfer of money to North Korea by the former head of Sangbanger Group, raided government offices in Gyeonggi Province, do get us up to speed with the developments.
3: Well, on Wednesday, the Suwon District Prosecutor's Office began the search and seizure at the provincial offices in the cities of Suwon and Ujongbu, that's according to legal enforcement agencies. The targets of the raid include the office previously occupied former Gyeonggi Province Vice Governor Yi Hwa-young, who is accused of asking ex sangbangu Chief Kim Jong-tae to transfer five million dollars to Pyongyang in 2019 to finance the province's smart farm project in the north. Kim is also alleged to have sent an additional three million dollars to the regime for a trip to North Korea by DP Chair Lee jae myung who was the Gyeonggi Province Governor at the time. Okay. Now, the former
2: Vice Gyeonggi Province Governor was in the hot seat on Wednesday, being grilled by prosecutors over alleged ties to the North Korea cash transfer. Tell us more on that as well.
3: Well, Iwa Young arrived at the Suwon District Prosecutor's Office at 10 a.m., questioned as a suspect in charges of violating the Foreign Exchange Transactions Act. This is the second round of questioning coming a week after the first interrogation session on February 15th. Former Sambang Group Chair Kim song tae was indicted for Remitting eight million dollars to North Korea in 2019, three million to facilitate a visit to the north by then provincial governor EJ Young, the remaining sum allegedly transferred on behalf of the province for a smart farm project. He claims the project was an independent initiative by the company. Okay. I see we have an update in inter-Korean relations. South
2: Korea, the United States, and Japan held a joint missile defense exercise in open waters of the East Sea on Wednesday. Tell us more about the latest drills held to counter growing missile threats
3: of North Korea. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said that three nations staged the exercise from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. in international waters of the East Sea. They mobilized three Aegis-equipped destroyers, South Korea's Sejong the Great, The USS USS Barry and Japan Maritime Self-Defense Forces, J.S. Atago, the three nations reportedly focused on practicing procedures to detect, track, and intercept computer-simulated targets while sharing information. The JCS said the three nations strengthened security cooperation and further enhanced their response systems through this maritime maritime missile defense exercise, that is.
2: Okay. And let's see, turning to some changes in quarantine measures for arrivals from China, they will not be required to take a PCR test for COVID 19 after entering South Korea from
3: March 1st, I believe? That's right. The Vice Minister for Disaster and Safety Management, Kim jong announced the decision on Wednesday, citing a drop in COVID 19 infection rate for travelers from China from 18.4% in the first week of January to 0.6% in the third week of February. Good. The vice minister and the government will lift the post-entry PCR requirement for visitors from China from next Wednesday and allow entry through Incheon International Airport as well as other regional airports. But the government will extend the pre-entry PCR testing requirement for arrivals from China until March 10th, along with the requirement to fill out the Quarantine Information Advance Input System. The number of virus infections in South Korea is on a steady dip as the Daily Telly last week dropped by on week to 11,599, eight straight week of declines. Nice.
2: In response, China announced it would consider lifting its PCR testing requirement
3: arrivals from South Korea. And this is coming from Chinese Foreign Minister Spokesperson Wang Wenbin on Wednesday's regular press briefing. Beijing will consider taking a corresponding measure at an appropriate time in response to Seoul's decision. The spokesperson said China is aware of the media report on Seoul's move and urged South Korea to remove discriminative restrictions against China as soon as possible to normalize situations in terms of person-to-person exchanges and also to work to create a convenient environment for both sides. All right. Okay, thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me.
2: In recent years, eating disorders, more specifically anorexia, has become a concerning problem among young Koreans. A new term has been coined called byomalla which means skinny to the bones. Social media has added to the problem as people share their cases of eating disorders and form communities to discuss how serious this issue is and the fatal results it could lead to. Reporter Shimini from the Korea Chungang Daily joins us in the studio. Hello Mini.
4: Hello, how are you?
2: I'm doing good. How about you? Good. Excellent. So, first off, how serious of an issue is eating disorder among teenagers here in Korea. Has it worsened than before?
4: Well, yes, yes, we could say that it is a very serious problem right now, and it's been getting worse and worse. In recent years, the number of teenagers suffering from eating disorders has shot up significantly, and the statistics speak for themselves. Um, According to the Health Insurance Review and Assessment Service earlier this month, the number of patients that have visited a hospital due to anorexia nervosa, which is the full term, Mm -hmm. increased by 30% over five five years from 1,661 people in 2017 to 2,201 people in 2021. Hmm. And in two thousand twenty. 2021, 75% of these people were women, with te- teenagers taking up the majority with 25%. And for the past five years, excluding seniors in their 70s and above, female teenagers were the largest group that were treated for anorexia.
2: Hmm. Okay. And the syndrome that we're discussing today is not just about looking thin, but thin to the extreme. Now, meaning, what is the reason for this?
4: Well, I think that's exactly the point. It's about looking thin to the extreme it's they want to look nothing but skin and bones Mm -hmm. and the trouble with anorexia is that it can easily be overlooked as a side effect of dieting rather than as a disorder Mm -hmm. and it isn't just about being concerned about what the number says on the scale people who suffer from eating disorders set up highly abnormal standards for themselves like becoming obsessed with gaining even one kilogram of their weight Mm. it follows up with a pathological fear of eating and gaining a disproportionate view of body images and By this disproportionate view, I mean that there are claims that they personally hate fat people and that they feel like the only way they can receive love from others or truly love themselves is to lose weight. And they basically base their entire self-value on how much they weigh. And they severely restrict the amount of food they eat. And this can also lead to physical anomalies like malnutrition, insomnia, and getting intensely emotional. And Mm. these symptoms can very likely develop into life-threatening situations like um, kidney failure. Sure. And the thing with these female teenagers is that they're not starving themselves just for the sake of it. Um, They're using pictures of their favorite K-pop idols as an excuse to achieve their look.
2: I see. Wow, okay. Well, uh, teenagers are sharing and promoting anorexia on, on social media as well. Minnie, could you tell us about this phenomenon?
4: These teenagers who share information and promote anorexia on social media, they call themselves the pro-ana. Hmm. And this is a newly coined term that refers to the promotion of anorexia, hmm. and they refuse to go to the hospital to get treatment for it. On social media, people who describe themselves as pro-ana use phrases like um, bone-thin body, eating and throwing up, and they share their target weight with each other. And the ProAna community, they give, they give each other tips online on how to um, lose more weight, and they reveal their goal bodies. Online users post on Twitter with hashtags like hashtag ProAna, hashtag ProAna goals, hashtag ProAna tips, along with photographs of extremely underweight bodies that show protruding bones or celebrities with very thin body types. Um, one, one recurring example is Chang Wonyong of girl group IVE mm-hmm. And some people even post A picture of your thigh comparing it With the width of an energy drink can Oh lord And to give an example through one post I saw on Twitter is that To quote, if you starve yourself for a day You lose 0.5 kilograms For two days, one kilogram For a week, 3.5 kilograms For two weeks, seven kilograms For a month, 15 kilograms And for two months, 30 kilograms and it's very bizarre how much weight they want to lose in such a short amount of time. And the ProAna community, they also have anonymous chat rooms on Kakao Talk where mm-hmm. dozens of people come together to talk about fasting for how many days, like 11 days. And they tell each other to be careful not to eat with their mouthful when they eat. And when they share stories about um, how their parents or friends urge them to eat, they refer to this as an act of suffering.
2: Oh, okay, wow. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit more about these specific goals. I mean, we live in an era where we have all these like social media challenges nowadays, right? On these uh, on a variety of different uh, social media platforms. But when it comes to this particular phenomenon, what are the specific goals for these troubled teenagers?
4: Um, you can. There's actually a term for this. It's called "kipemum," and hmm. this means hi- height minus weight. And in the Proana community, what this means is that they aim to have their height and weight difference to be at least 125. In other words, in the Proana community, it would be ideal for someone who is 165 centimeters tall to weigh around 40 kilograms. And you can easily see these videos. Um, you, you call them byomala, mm-hmm. and like you explained, which means skinny to the bones, which is. Um, People who are drastically underweight and they post these um, vlogs of themselves on YouTube. And these videos also include processes of how the uploaders went about losing such extreme amounts of weight. And one YouTube video I saw um, had the YouTuber explain that she was 164 centimeters tall, but she was unsatisfied with her weight and she weighed 44 kilograms. And Mm. she said her goal was to lose four kilograms in just one week. So... She posted a vlog of herself um, trying to lose 4 kilograms in 7 days. And she drank only tea or iced coffee for 3 days straight. And she finally ate 2 almonds on the 4th day. Mm -hmm. And toward the 5th or 6th day, she started complaining about how much um, headaches... she She started complaining of headaches and that she felt like she was going to faint. And I guess it's really hard to imagine how terrible the process must have been for her health both physically and emotionally, and I guess that you could say that it sends very harmful messages in encouraging extreme weight loss, because these videos tend to receive a lot of support in the comments section as well.
2: Wow, okay. And uh, to make matters worse, I hear that some of these teenagers are even getting their hands on drugs. Could you elaborate on that, please?
4: Yes, um, one major um, concern in Korea is the nabi pills, which get their name from their body butterfly shape. Mm-hmm. And these are a- appetite suppressants that include phentermine, which is a type of anorectic drug that's used to treat obesity. There are a side of, number of side effects to this drug that doctors only give short-term prescriptions, and patients are strongly advised to consult a doctor before taking these pills. But even if you do consult a doctor, only patients 17 years old and above are allowed to get a prescription, meaning that it would indeed be a crime if younger teenagers got their hands on them illegally. And last year, media reports said that the police arrested 59 people who were involved in trading Nabi pills through social media. And 47 of these people were teenagers and 50 of them were females. Um, And the side effects, what makes these um, Nabi pills um bad is that the side effects include heart acceleration, anxiety, mm-hmm. dizzy, dizziness, insomnia, and extreme fatigue. And overdose can lead to depression, hallucination, panic attacks, and even schizophrenia. So like any other drug, patients may also develop um, drug dependence and tolerance to the Nabi pills. Sure. But in the case of teenagers, since adolescence is a time of both significant brain development, the side effects of these Nabi pills are far more likely to be detrimental and deadly.
2: Mm-hmm. And speaking of adolescents, is these kind of I'm sorry, are, are these kind of eating disorders right? Of course, including anorexia, are they more dangerous for the younger age uh, groups, for teenagers and children?
4: Yes, I would say so because mm-hmm. teenagers, especially girls and young women, women have the highest risk factor for developing eating disorders. And like statistics state, the number continues to rise. So yes, it is more serious for them. Hmm. And like I mentioned earlier about how teenagers should not be um, taking these Nabi pills, there's just so much cognitive and physical development happening during puberty that it's obvious that teenagers and children should not be risking their um, health and their lives just to lose a couple of pounds. Hmm. And doctors say that the mortality risk for patients with eating disorders is six times greater than the ordinary person. And the problem with anorexia is that if the patient has no intention of wanting to get treated for the illness, it's very difficult to cure. And anorexia is also known to have the highest mortality rate among all psychiatric diseases. So it's obvious how serious of a problem this is.
2: Mm -hmm. So based on everything you've shared with us so far, it's not only a medical issue, but it's also a cultural issue. It's somewhat being more of a teen political issue even, but um, there has to be some kind of, hopefully, a solution. What do experts suggest as ways to deal with this problem?
4: There are a number of ways to actually deal with eating disorders, but for starters, experts say that the media certainly needs this change. Um, Experts attribute this to the fault of today's society, as the media has created an environment in which slimmer bodies are preferred and are thought to be more attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, to just Give an easy example on social media, 소식자 videos, which refer to people with bird-like appetites, have been trending since last year. And I personally found this to be very interesting because in the U.S., disordered eating is extremely controversial. I remember reading an article about how the American model Yolanda Hadid came under fire about a decade ago because she told her daughter Gigi Hadid to eat two almonds. And the media started accusing her for seemingly encouraging Gigi to starve herself. Mm-hmm. And so when Shoshikja videos first emerged online in Korea last year, it actually received a lot of positive reactions, like it being fresh because it highly contrasted Mokbang which usually involves devouring piles of food that are particularly high in fat. Right. But soon afterwards, I've noticed that Sushikcha videos have started raising questions, even among the Korean audience, on whether it was making it seem like the average eating habits are wrong.
2: Right. And of course, you and I both know what Sushikcha is, but for our, all our listeners, Soshikcha literally means a master in eating less or very little on the other hand, 대식자 means a master in doing the exact opposite, eating a lot. And last but not least, mukbang of course, is that now globally popular term, which means broadcasting, filmed sites of people enjoying just a whole lot of food and sharing all that through various social media channels.
4: And to give an example, last month, comedian Kim Sook faced backlash after she posted a YouTube video on her official channel that featured Actor Park Soo Hyun and singer Sandra Park, both known for having lackluster appetites, mm-hmm. and see, there were scenes in the video that included both Parks eating just a bite of a cracker and a watermelon, and seeing that they were full. Yeah. And both Parks are um, known to be to known to have really slim bodies, mm-hmm. so. The video um, was subsequently deleted due to critical comments saying that the video was joking about drastic fasting and that it could give the wrong impression that it's okay to abstain from eating just to keep a thin body shape. And people have furthermore been discussing this this issue on online community channels like Neetpan. And in a post dated earlier this month, I saw um, a post where it asked why 소식자 is perceived as problematic as opposed to 대식자 or people with enormous appetites. Yes. And the comment with the most likes pointed out that 대식자 doesn't oppress people who are unable to match their hunger.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And to read a quote from that comment, quote, but 소식자 treats people who eat a normal amount like pigs. That's what angers us. And so experts in related fields have come forth to comment on the issue of toxic diet culture, like how society competition in society has become um so intense to the to the point that it's caused teenagers to become so um swayed by what others say about their own, their bodies mm-hmm. and influencing them to get addicted to these harmful diets and For celebrities, we can easily see if a popular K-pop celebrity gains a few pounds, they immediately get get hateful comments that they're not managing their body, Mm -hmm. they're being irresponsible. And I've seen comments even saying that their weight gain is going to cause inconvenience and damage to the entire group. Hmm. So they're treating these idols like gaining weight is some sort of crime. So experts keep um, stressing that schools need to educate them educate everyone from an early age about healthy food intake and nutrition, as well as learning to feel comfortable in their own bodies. And to extend from that, um, society as a whole needs to create an atmosphere in which they don't comment about each other's outer appearances and each other's bodies. Um, um, Coming back to ProAna, because the entire premise of being ProAna is that they refuse to go to the hospital for treatment, experts estimate that there are far more patients than what statistics say. And to give an example, through countries like the UK or the US, the medical issue of eating disorders has already been receiving a lot of attention from the past 30 to 40 years. They have um, eating disorder associations that try to raise awareness about the physical and emotional damages that follow through. And so experts are um, saying that Korea really needs to step up and take eating disorder seriously, that it's not just a simple side effect to Mm -hmm. dieting, and that we need systematic research on how we're going to resolve this issue. But like I mentioned earlier, it's one of those illnesses that's very difficult to treat if the patient themselves are unwilling to cure their eating disorder. So it's very important for family and friends to, you know, just really try to support them and listen to what they have to say. And force feeding is never the solution. Mm -hmm. You could say that that the first step in overcoming eating disorders is giving these people the full support and encouragement they desperately need.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful insight on a rather serious
0: matter, Minnie.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: Welcome to the Korea24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index fell 41.28 points, or 1.68% on Wednesday, to close the day at 2,417.68. The tekevi Kazdaq also fell, losing 14.91 points, or 1.88%, to close at 778.51. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened, 9-1 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,304.91. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr.
2: Next up, we have our daily segment, Korea Trending. For this part of the show, we cover some of the hottest topics in South Korea, handpicked by the Korea 24 team. And to bring them to us today is Walter Lee. Hello, Walter.
6: Hello, Jay. It's lovely to be here.
2: Great. Okay, so what top three topics do you have for us today?
6: Okay, so a new type of cyber attack that steals users' contacts through malicious files has emerged. Mm. And then following, we will talk about a woman who committed a random attack on a subway station and that she was caught by three teenagers. And lastly, a Seoul district in is in the spotlight for its cigarette butt collection reward program. Okay, so these are the three top topics. Let's start with the first one. Okay, so users of KakaoTalk, the nation's most popular mobile messenger service, Mm -hmm. should take caution. Now, this is because a type of cyber attack that steals contacts by assessing messages and distributing malicious files has emerged. Hmm. Now, for example, attackers send messages such as... Hello, I'm sending you a message after seeing that we're friends while organizing my friends list. Uh, I'm so-and-so living in, let's say, Gangnam, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, if the user responds, these attackers try to gain their trust through conversation and then launch an attack. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, you know what they all say,
6: right? Friends on
2: social media are literally friends on social Social media, media, right? And it seems that... (laughs) These people aren't even any kind of friends, but um, yeah, this I believe this kind of cyber attack was originally used for target, you know, used to target dating app users.
6: Yeah, that's actually correct. So according to the EST Security uh, Security Response Center or ESRC, dating apps were used for this sort of cyber attack. But now messenger apps are being targeted as they can be used by basically anyone. Mm-hmm. The the ESRC said the attackers build up trust with their targets and slyly send installation files or apk files. When the user installs such files on their contacts, or of their all of their contacts, sorry, can be tra- transmitted to the attacker, who then can misuse or abuse them. Yeah, so please be careful of the .apk files, Mm -hmm. but other than that, how can we avoid these attacks? Well, the ESRC advises users not to respond to messages sent by strangers and especially not to install unknown .apk files obtained through paths other than known app stores. Okay, hashtag .apk. And let's move on to the next story. Yeah, so it is a shocking incident that took place at a subway station in Seoul just over a week ago, where a woman committed a random attack on a foreign student in broad daylight and tried to get away with it. Mm. Now, fortunately, she was, has been taken into police custody. Nice. Uh, she was caught thanks to the help of three good Samaritans who happened to be nearby and chased after the woman. All right. Well, can you walk us through exactly what happened? Sure. So we don't know the exact identities of the people involved in the incident. So to help make the story clear for our listeners, we'll call the individuals A and B. Sure. Uh, A student student from Myanmar, currently studying abroad in Korea, was walking along the transfer passage in Shingil Station on February 14th at around 4.20pm. That 's when the attacker B, who was walking from the opposite direction, suddenly slapped her in the face Arnold. now CCTV footage shows a in pain and putting her hands around her face while B hurriedly escapes the scene as if nothing had happened now B stated to the police that she hit a because she quote unquote didn't get a aw- uh, get out of her way. <laughs> However, the footage showed that it was an unprovoked assault. Of course,
2: and even if she didn't get out of her way to slap someone, yeah. that's just so inappropriate. I don't hope people, ever, everybody out there, have learned from the Will Smith incident, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, Walter, you mentioned earlier that three Good Samaritans helped catch the
6: assailant, right? Yeah, that's right. So three students who had just graduated from middle school were at the scene and witnessed what happened. They started chasing after the assailant and ran around 600 meters, catching her just as she was about to board a leaving train. Hmm. Now, the students said the victim didn't seem to speak Korean and it didn't look like she could ask for help. They added that they... Screamed at the perpetrator to catch people's attention and to stop her from running away. Hmm. The police have sent the assailant to the prosecution on charges of assault after examining the CCT footage and hearing that the circumstances of the incident.
2: Okay, and a huge thumbs up to the three wonderful young people. Yes. And finally, a reward system for collecting littered cigarette butts is in the spotlight these days. Can you tell us more about that?
6: Yeah, sure thing. So a compensation program for cigarette butt collection that's been implemented by the Songdonggu District Office has been gaining a lot of attention these days. Anyone 20 and over is eligible for the program, and Mm -hmm. the district offers 31, so that's approximately two cents, for one gram of cigarette butts collected and brought to the district community services centers.
2: Okay, and you know, I hear if you look around, there's actually a lot of cigarette butts that can be collected, right?
6: Yeah, so a reporter decided to go out and see how many you could collect in an hour in the district. Now, Mm -hmm. apparently, cigarette butts could be found easily at parking lots, next to flower beds, on side sidewalks and in front of shops Hmm. but they were most frequently found in rain gutters Uh now the reporter said he was able to find 461 cigarette butts in an hour that's an awful lot of cigarette (laughs) butts um how much was he able to get as an award then Okay, so after taking the cigarette butts to the nearby community center, he found out that 461 cigarette butts weighed 212.6 grams, surpassing the minimum weight of 200 grams needed to receive the reward money. Mm -hmm. He also found out that one cigarette butt weighs around 0.46 grams, so, after one hour of work, he was able to receive $6,361, roughly $4.88 for his labor. Hmm. Now, it appears that most citizens uh, positively uh, like this reward system. However, some pointed out that it will not be easy to achieve the expected policy effects, such as improving urban aesthetics and preventing environmental pollution without wasting funds. Hmm. In fact, uh, the Gangbukgu District Office, which had implemented the same policy under, uh, until last year, they decided to abolish it this year, and it said that the policy did not bring the desired results of cleaner streets while taking up too much of the budget.
2: Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for today's career Trending. Walter, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. It's Wednesday, and on Wednesdays, we take a look at some works of Korean literature through our segment, Korea Book Club, learning more about the works of the past as well as the current literary scene here. Hello, I'm your host, Anjewoo, and joining us now is Beth Euni Hong. Beth is a literary translator at Nabilera and a copy editor and co host of Cover to Cover, a podcast about Korean books at the Korea Herald. Hello, Beth. Hi, do. Hi. So, um, yeah, uh, what did you bring for us this month?
1: Well, in advance of International Women's Day on March 8th, mm-hmm. the book we're discussing today is 변신하는 mm-hmm. 여자들, or Transforming Women, by Jang young published in January 2022 by
2: o Okay, so there are actually a number of reasons why I'm really happy that you're covering this particular book. First off, it's one of the very few books I've already read. And um, yeah, far more importantly, this is... a phenomenal book. Of course, it's your choice, so it has to be phenomenal. But uh, from my perspective as well, and especially from a male perspective as well, it's a really, really significant work of literature. And um, I think the political and social historical significance is very, very immense as well. But um, yes, Beth, for our listeners, can you introduce the premise of this book? What's it about and how is it structured?
1: So this remarkable book, as you said, um, centers around asking some pretty key questions. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point, does a woman write about her life, and at what point does she become silent? And what significance does both her writing and her silence have for us readers today? And the author attempts to answer these through examining the lives and written self narratives of eight leading female Korean intellectuals from colonial Joseon society: Kim Il Yup, Choi Jeong Hee, Mo Yun Suk. Kim Hwalan, Im Young-shin, Park In-dok, Lee Hwarim, and Ho jeong mm-hmm. Each figure has a chapter dedicated to them and includes relevant photographs or visuals.
2: Yes. And as context, some form of organized women's rights or feminist movement in Korea is widely believed to have emerged for the first time during the 1920s as part of the March 1st movement for Korean independence against Japanese colonial rule. FYI, of course, the colonial rule began uh, about 10 years ago in 1910, right?
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. And all of these women who were born between 1896 to 1912 were among the very first generation of women to receive formal higher education. Mm -hmm. They went on to become prominent figures in religious, political, and cultural circles during the colonial Joseon society and beyond.
2: Yes, and after all, the segment is Korea Book Club. We're talking about Korean literature. Uh, Beth, we learned through the book that writing was a means of survival for these women, right?
1: Yes, that's right. I mean, during the colonial period, there was no system to protect women's rights. So, the main way that these female intellectuals survived in the public sphere was through writing. Hmm. They advocated for new ideas like women's self-awareness, rights, and freedoms, including sexual freedom, at the chaotic juncture of traditional Korean Confucian society, westernization, modernization, and Japanese colonial rule that they found themselves in.
2: Exactly. And speaking of sexual freedom, um, what we mean by that in this particular context is that, for example, when it comes to public or historical male figures, when you have different uh, romantic partners... The general consensus is, well, they were guys, and back in the day, that's how things were. Even so, nowadays, however, the different rules applied, double standards applied for women, right? Okay, so uh, in order for many of these women to have a room of one's own in order to write, we also see major institutions like religion or politics playing a role in their respective times, right?
1: That's right. We can see that was clearly the case for Kim il in which Buddhism provided her with a safe room of her own to write, especially in the latter part of her life. Mm -hmm. And if I may talk a little bit about her for a moment, because she's such a fascinating figure— while she was raised a devout Methodist Christian um, under a pastor or father, she rebelled against her family's faith and conservative values to become a prolific poet and essayist. Mm-hmm. She was a leading figure of the feminist New Woman, or 신여자 movement, and was the founder of a journal of the same name in the 1920s that promoted women's self-awareness, rights, and freedoms, including the sexual freedom that you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. So you can say that she was truly one of the founding mothers of modern Korean feminism, along with her contemporaries, Na hae and Kim myon Uh They were all born in the same year, actually, of 1896. Mm-hmm. Many of Kim Il-yup's writings also went on to be published in Korean-language daily newspapers and literary magazines. However, after successive, quote-unquote, scandals due to her multiple marriages, she retreated and spent the last three and a half decades of her life writing at a Buddhist temple until her death in 1971.
2: Yeah, I mean, this whole, quote-unquote, scandal thing, right? Depending on your gender, like, for example, if you're a male, you're a really kind of, you know, the man, so to speak, right? Whereas for women, again, there were double standards. But yeah, speaking of these, quote-unquote, scandals, this appears as one of the recurring themes throughout the book are there any parallels with contemporary Korean society with this?
1: Yeah, actually, almost all of the women in this book—you know, Kim Ilja, Mo, Mo Yun Suk, Hee, and Park Induk In Dok—in particular—were swept up in these scandals involving divorce or alleged relationships with other prominent male intellectuals, mm-hmm. which reveals the deeply patriarchal and conservative nature of society at that time. Mm-hmm. And though, of course, Korean society has changed a lot since then and become a lot more pr- progressive, when we look at the massive victim shaming that emerged from Korea's Me Too movement not too long ago in 2018, and the recent rather shocking attempts by conservative Christian groups to enforce Handmaid's Tale-style ordinances on the education system, I think that these women's direct observations can offer inspiration and comfort for women today who feel pressured to conform to rigid um expectations of goodness.
2: Yes, the whole female goodness discourse is, I believe, what you're talking about here. And um, yeah, in addition, some of the women in this book are also judged as quote-unquote problematic because of their, something really, really sensitive in modern and contemporary Korean uh, history, but their pro-Japanese affiliations and activities. Tell us more about that.
1: Yes, um, so Kim Ha-ran, uh, Choi Jung-hee, Im Young-shin, Mo Yun-suk, and Park In-dok were all branded as pro-Japanese at some point and are still controversial and polarizing figures today. Um, Kim Hwa-ran in particular is a fascinating figure because she was one of the very first Korean women to get a PhD in 1931 from Columbia University, after also getting her bachelor's and master's degree f- from the U.S. And um, as a director of public information under the first South Korean president, Yi seung she's credited with helping to manifest the first English newspaper in Korea, The Korea Times. She oversaw Iwa Hakdang, which is now Iwa Women's University, as a dean, which became the largest women's university in the world by the time of her death. Mm -hmm. So we can see that she was um, a lifelong advocate for women's rights and education, spurred by this sense of duty as a Christian. But um, we also see in her self-narrative that um, she characterizes herself as a hero on a journey towards success. um, And alongside with all of her impressive achievements, she was branded a Japanese collaborator because we see that she did collab- cooperate with the Japanese colonial government during her time as a dean at IHWA. And um, she also supported Korean men's conscription conscription to the Japanese army, um, which is, I think, one of the main points of um controversy um for her record so um of course reality isn't really black and white though because in her own words in this book we see that she was herself conflicted about her public activities and um she was a highly intelligent woman who was doing what she had to survive in the circumstances sure taking advantage of whatever authority could help further her ultimate goal which was women's enlightenment
2: uh, all right so uh beth uh what can readers take away overall from this book?
1: I think that regardless of your gender, this book eliminates a fascinating time in modern Korean history. And it also presents a nuanced view of the negotiations that women had to make at the time to survive and thrive in the circumstances they were born into. Personally, the question that this book and the final chapter on Ha Jung-sook in particular posed for me was this... In what ways are we silencing ourselves in exchange for some system or ideology that we think is providing us with some kind of safety or patronage? Hmm. And if so, is remaining silent really worth it?
2: Um, Well, once again, Beth, uh, I'm very, very pleased that you chose this particular book. And thank you so much for your wonderful contribution today. We will see you next month.
1: Thank you. Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea 24. On Monday, we bring you news from
4: the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. Are you a fan of books? Then tune
1: in on Wednesday for Korea Book Club, where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explore Korea. And on
4: Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both
1: home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place, on Korea 24.
2: And for the last part of the show, we have our daily segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we'll talk About some of the biggest stories from tomorrow's newspapers. The Korea Times and the Korea Herald have been kind enough to give us a preview of their editions for tomorrow. So we are of course very grateful for that. We're now joined in the studio by our staff editor at KBS's English service, Richard Larkin. Richard, it's always great to have you in the studio. Hello, good to Uh, see you too. Thank you so much. And What's the first article you have chosen? Well, first we go to the culture section of
7: the Korea Herald. Park ga youngs article gives us more information about the Asian premiere of Todd McOver's Overstory Overture in Seoul next month. It's been dubbed Experimental Opera and will be performed by world-renowned musicians on March 16th. Okay, so tell us more about this Experimental Opera piece. Well, it's based on a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel called The Overstory by Richard Powers. The novel explores the relationship between humans and nature. Hmm. The International Chamber Ensemble, Sejong Soloist, will perform with one of the world's most celebrated opera singers, Joyce Di Donato. The 30-minute piece will premiere at the Seoul Arts Centre, along with works by Hayden and Mendelssohn. The reason it's been dubbed experimental opera is because the composer, Todd Macover, is seen as someone who is very innovative when it comes to music. The composer actually talks more about the reason why he decided to work on this new opera.
2: Okay, and what did the composer have to say
7: about this 30-minute piece? So, environmental protection is the main theme for the opera. The composer said that the topic is usually only approached in a scientific way, so he hopes the opera will become a fresh new way of bringing to light the issue and changing the audience's views. Great. He added that art, especially music, can convey the depth of destruction to the environment. Of course. And uh, what's the next story you have for us? According to Kwon Miu's article in the National Section of the Korea Times, there was a concert commemorating the Day of Restoration of the State of Lithuania at Seoul's Myeongdong Cathedral on Monday. Hmm. During the concert, the music director and actress, Kalim Park, who is of Korean and Lithuanian descent, received a very special gift from the Lithuanian ambassador to Korea. All right. And what did Park receive? Park received a Lithuanian passport from Ambassador Ricardo Slepavičius. She had previously applied for Lithuanian citizenship. Let me give you a little bit more information about Park's family. Okay. She has a Korean father and her mother fled Lithuania at the age of five to escape the Soviet Union's oppression at the time. Uh-huh. The article mentions that Park is a well-known figure in the Korean theatre world and became popular through her appearances in musicals such as Chicago and Next to Normal. She was also a judge for talent shows. Yes, indeed. And did the ambassador say anything when he gave Park the gift? He did. He said Park is an example of the human connection bridging Lithuania and Korea, which might be closer than people think. Hmm. During the concert, the ambassador also talked about historical similarities between Korea and Lithuania, as well as their shared democratic values. All right.
2: Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you. Okay, and that brings us to the end of today's edition of Korea 24. We'll bring you the latest on Korea tomorrow as well. Just a reminder, you can always listen to our show on our apps. They are KBS Kong, KBS World Radio, and KBS World Radio on air at 7.10 p.m., Korea Standard Time, every weekday. Shortwave listeners can check the broadcast schedule on the KBS World Radio website to find out when Korea 24 is played in your region. You can also listen to our show via Naver Audio Clip. Go to audioclip.naver.com, search for Korea24, and then you can find all of our previous shows. This has been your host, Anjae Thank you, as always. Goodbye.
3: ABS World Radio.